Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church, where we dig further into the message from Sunday, explore how to apply it to our lives, and offer a practice that will help us engage in prayer and grow in relationship with God. I'm Chris Kopp, and with me is Tiffany Malloy. Well, hey, you guys, good to be here today. Thanks so much for joining in. And listen, we are going to jump right into the conversation that we have planned today because in this room with us, we have Matt, Chris, and Charles from our teaching team. And I want to leave as much time as possible to hear from these guys as they answer some of the questions that you have been asking these past few weeks. But before we jump in, a couple of quick updates. First, if you listened last week, we told you that we were going to be releasing a Q&A with Charles on the topic of race later this week. We actually ended up holding off on that just for a bit so that it wouldn't get lost in the shuffle with the election and some of these other big conversations that we've been having on the podcast. So look out for that later in November. Yeah, and second, uh, this will likely be a longer episode, so telling you that up front. Um, But I also want to make sure you guys know about the prayer practice centered on politics that Ben Knox, one of our pastors here, he'll lead us through at the end of this conversation. Uh, And you guys, the practice that he leads us through has been so helpful to me in this election season. So make sure you stick around for that, uh, or if you need to, come back to it later, and then make sure you listen to the last 10 minutes of this episode. All right. Well, you guys, here we are. As when recording this, we are one week out from Election Day on November 3rd. So to start, how are you guys doing? Have you received a ton of election campaign mail like we have? We have been just the kids have just been counting how many pieces that we've gotten. And it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, the amount of advertisements that are out there right now coming into my inbox, the amount of, uh, of extra ads that I'll see on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, the amount of commercials on TV. The text that you've received of saying, have you voted? From so many people that sound like they know me so well. (laughs) I know, it's true. I I kind of want to reply to them and say, how are you doing today? Yeah, Yeah, one group thinks my name is Eric or something. I keep keep getting, yeah, I keep Eric's texts. I think we should just call you Eric for the rest of this podcast. That's right. So at any rate. I learned something new this, this, I didn't, I I think people knew this, but I didn't. Um, If you actually get your votes in early, the election mailers stop coming. Because they actually know that you voted, and they will not mail to you anymore. They save money that way. Okay. Mm, interesting. There you go. Yeah. Interesting. So get your votes. If I, you haven't voted yet, get it in. Get it in early, and they'll stop mailing to you. This, Do you guys this, ever respond to those text messages and just like play around with them, like? But do you listen to Switchfoot? Yes or no? Like you know, kind of make make them earn our vote or something like that. I just block all the numbers. I just oh, go through and you. block them. That That's sounds a like idea. a better idea. Yeah. But I would be interested in. Whether or not they listen to Switchfoot. <laughs> right. Chris, would it be okay if I just walk over to Matt's station right now and he could show me how to block those <laughs> <laughs> I'm not real good with tech stuff. <laughs> we'll, That'd be a good we'll, use of the podcast. I would. Yeah, that's we'll, awesome. We'll show that to you later, Eric. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Eric. That's right. Yeah. Probably not the first time I'm going to be made fun of in the, today's podcast. So that's oh. all right. Well, all right. Well, on Sunday, Chris, you gave the first message in our Politics and Faith series, and we'll dig into some of that in just a minute. Um, But I personally started to think about whether or not I'd ever heard a sermon on politics before. Uh, I was a political science major. I'm interested in this kind of stuff, Um, but I'm pretty confident that yours was the first one I had ever heard. Um, And I know it's a topic that churches often try to avoid, 
But honestly, like if we're going to be formed into the likeness of Christ in all areas of our lives, then it's something like anything else that we need to address, right? So I appreciate that uh, we talked about it on Sunday and we're talking about it here. Um, so for Chris in particular, but others, feel free to chime in. Um, what made you feel led to do this series this year? Yeah, I feel like uh, uh, when we were planning the year out, this was kind of a no-brainer. I know that um, the three of us talked about what the fall might look like. And I think we all just looked at each other and said, well, <laughs> I think we need to address this. And then we looked at each other and said, okay, who wants to do that? <laughs> so whether we should do it was a no-brainer. Who was going to do it is a, a bigger thing. And then I feel like the who uh, was, uh, it made sense for it to be Matt and myself, uh, since Matt's going to be the next senior pastor, and he wanted to take a crack at it, and then I'm the current senior pastor. I think that was maybe Matt and I shouldn't have done. It. We should have just give both thoughts to Charles. <laughs> that might have been a better better idea. Well, so. Chris, I think you did such a good job with uh, the first one. Yeah. That we've all decided you're just going to do the next just one. Just do as well. the next one. So, yeah, he's trying to get out of the time. <laughs> we'll bring you back in every four years to do it. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Our guest speaker for this week. Yeah. No, I feel like just generally speaking, our tendency here and our practice is to try to move towards the difficult things and not away from them. So we've done sex and faith, race and faith, and, you know, politics and faith is just another one of those things. We do science and faith seminars. I mean, we just go towards those hard things. And I feel that's really the best way to, because God's word has uh, to speak to our lives. It's not, uh, not, uh, something that's not practical for us. So how can uh, God's word help us live our day today? Absolutely. And this subject has been one I, I feel like has definitely been, um, I don't know if you would say hitting a nerve or scratching an itch, mm. somewhere in between there for different people, depending on where they are right now. Uh, because I can't ever remember getting ready for a series where, uh, for us as the teaching team, we've gotten more emails before the series. Mm. We're used to getting emails after the series of people's reactions to whatever it is we're talking about. But this time around, the amount that we've gotten beforehand of emails and articles and different things that people want our opinion on and make sure you think about this before you get ready to write your message, it's just been incredible. It shows, I think, that this is the right subject for us to be talking mm -hmm. about at this time. People are incredibly interested. Well, so not to put words in your mouth, um, Chris, but some of what I heard on Sunday was that... <laughs> but, but. Our, that's always a good way to start a question. Yeah, yeah. Um, some what I heard on Sunday was that our faith should influence our politics and how we vote. So if how we engage in politics is being driven by our faith in Christ, what do you think our goal should be as we vote in this election and in all elections? Yeah, uh, thanks, Tiffany. I... I'm I'm just off the top of my head, which maybe is not a good thing to say, but I I feel like uh, serving Christ and God's kingdom, being being kingdom living people, that should be our goal for everything that we do, anytime, wherever we're doing, whatever. So the idea of voting uh, and participating in the freedoms that we have in our country is a privilege to be able to vote uh, and. Uh, we should say, hey, how can I be the best kingdom citizen possible right now as I'm living in a place that allows me to 
actually participate in the formation of a government. It's a very rare thing that we have historically. And so I have an opportunity to do that. So how can I do that and be a Christ follower at the same time? Does that answer that yeah, question? That's good. Yeah. Anybody else want to speak to that? Well, I mean, I think, I think biblically we, we are um, supposed to be exiles, right? We are, we are citizens of the kingdom, but exiles in America. And Jeremiah says we seek the welfare uh, for, of the city we're in. Now, in Jeremiah's pray for the city you're in and, and seek the welfare here, we actually get to influence like what, what Chris just said. So, which is really nice. Uh, we get to try to influence and to, to help the country where we live in prosper, to be at peace, to, to have justice, to as much as it is possible. We know it's not completely possible, but as much as it is possible to have where we live reflect the values, the traits of the kingdom of God. Right? So I think, you know, biblically, we've been talking about the gospel as being more than just individual salvation. It's about the coming of the kingdom, the coming of the rule of Jesus in our world. And so even before he fully arrives, if the kingdom fully arrives, we want a glimpse of that. We want to see areas in our society where Jesus' values, Jesus' mm-hmm. justice run the world. That would be awesome. So that's why, why we're trying to, that's why we vote. And that's why we're trying to get involved. One of the things I'm just going to add on a little bit to this. I mean, I know we're just talking about voting and that's people see that's, but one of uh, the purposes of that talk was to really stimulate, motivate, inspire younger people. Get involved. Get involved in politics. I mean, you know, with uh, my first commitment is to the politics of Jesus. I know if I go to either party, I'm going to have to compromise that. But my, I really am driven by the politics of Jesus. I want to make this world a better place. I mean, we need more uh, committed Christ followers in uh, government. Certainly, you guys, in some ways, using our vote, using politics to help uh, build the kind of society that God talks about in Jeremiah 29, to seek the peace and prosperity of our country. Um, that's kind of easier said than done so- sometimes, right? So this is one of the questions that we got from uh, Maria from our congregation. She said this. She said, thank you for all the great work that you do. My husband and I are huge fans of Pastor Chris, specifically because we're Cubs fans. We love you, Pastor Chris. Praise anyway, God. I thought you'd be flattered by that. Yeah, we won't hold that God. against her. Uh, but her question is this. <laughs> I've asked God repeatedly, who should I vote for? I'm afraid to disappoint God if I vote for someone who doesn't align with my religious beliefs. And to be honest, neither candidate fully aligns with my morals. I'm torn because I want to do good. I want to help others and I want to exercise my right to vote. Um, So question for you guys, how should we think about who to vote for in these elections when none of the candidates or parties likely line up perfectly with our Christian faith? How do you guys think about that? Well, first off uh, to Maria, congratulations on becoming a U.S. citizen. That's one of the things that was in there. And Mm -hmm. uh, my wife just became a U.S. citizen over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and so the fact that you were thinking this deeply about this subject is, um, man, I just think spot on um, because it is difficult. I think that for so many people with what I have read and listened to over the last couple of months, it's all kinds of people who are deeply thoughtful 
um, and love Jesus who are trying to figure out in a situation and circumstance like what we're in right now, who it is that they vote for. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's a black and white answer that we can give to something like this right now. Right, no. Yeah, no. In fact, I think, you know, Maria, where you are right now, I think it's exactly where you should be. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but struggling over our votes is, I think, the lot of Christ followers who really think deeply about the Bible and our engagement with our world. We, we, we talk about this time we're living in as kind of the now and the not yet, right? Mm-hmm. We have, we're part of the kingdom, but we're living in a broken world with broken people. Everything we do is kind of tense. It's kind of difficult. It's, it's a struggle. And this is one of those places where it's just going to be a struggle. I would say if you find it easy to figure out which party to support, okay, I'm going to say, this might be a little controversial. If you find it easy to figure out which party to support, I don't think you're reading the Bible very well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's the, one of the purposes of the talk that I gave was, uh, how could anybody who calls themselves a Christian vote for, you know, fill in the blank? And uh, that's kind of the person who goes, you know, it should be a really a no-brainer. You know, I mean, this is such an easy call. You know, I think the three of us would feel like if you think it's an easy call, that's probably... A, I hate to say this, but that's probably a good indication that you're living in an echo chamber. Yeah. You're only talking to people who agree with you all the time. You're not listening to somebody on the other side. And uh, if you take a look at that NAE, National Association of Evangelicals, uh, handbook that was out there, there's lots of subjects. And uh, really one of the purposes was really to try to get people to pause and to think it's maybe more complex than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But if I can just add to that as well, um, there is some struggle over this vote, but I do think that, now I understand if our political engagement is just one vote every two years, every four years, then it's a lot at stake. It feels like, wow, our entire political life is just this one decision. Then we have such imperfect choices between two sides. What do we do? Um, but I want to encourage people, young people, people, you know, all age and all different places. There are ways to get involved politically beyond beyond voting. And, and even there, you don't have to be partisan. You don't have to join a political party. You can join groups, um, Christian groups that are that are moving toward political topics and political engagement that isn't partisan that works with both Republicans and Democrats, anybody who's in power. There are ways to do this. I mean, I think Chris just mentioned a National Association of Evangelicals. That's, that's one of them. There are plenty of others who do good work uh, politically, but they're not partisan. Mm. Chris, what was the quote that you used in your message this past week? I think it was a quote of um, a person who prays deeply before they go yeah. to the voting booth right. and then ask forgiveness after? Yeah, the story about a seminary professor. When pastors say they have a story about... It's, just, <laughs> it's not that we're making it up, but we, we heard it someplace. <laughs> and I heard, it, I heard the story someplace. You know, uh, seminary professors uh, praise a lot for discernment, votes, and then he walks out and prays for forgiveness. Prays for forgiveness. Um, so that's the idea uh, of, you know, you... Um, you just, you just don't know. And the, the forgiveness thing is I've just ceded power to someone who's not completely committed to the kingdom of God. Yes. Yeah. One thing that maybe some people um, consider when they go into the voting booth um, is character. So there's been a lot of discussion about hmm. whether character matters in our politicians or if the ends justify the means. So what do you guys think? I think this is an issue every time we step into the voting booth, not just this year. Um, 
So does character matter for our country's leaders? Yeah, I mean, everybody. Oh, character never matters. Next question. (laughs) No, character does matter a lot. And not just in politics, but in anything that we do. And as Christ followers, you know, we have a model that we're trying to follow. And um, it's an interesting... um, it's an interesting dilemma that we we find um, because uh, just do a little New Testament stuff here. Historically, you know, Paul asks, um, he, and he's writing to the Romans in Romans thirteen. You know, he 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 talks he talks in wonderful terms about the the reigning emperor uh, that he is like a um, a servant of God. And that's, he's talking about Nero. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? And it's like, what? You know, did he not, was he not aware? Mm-hmm. You read Romans 13 and you think, Paul's like just naive. He's unaware that the Romans can hurt Christians. Well, the Romans crucified Jesus. You know, the Romans uh, were um, exiled a whole bunch of uh, Christians out of Rome. I mean, he knew that the Romans could be really mean people. He knew that Nero was... Uh, not a happy, a good guy. Uh, in 54 AD, I got a little fact about Nero. Nero's mother uh, murders her husband. That's how Nero becomes the emperor. And then uh, he then murders uh, his, uh, his stepbrother. He murders his own mother. He murders his wife. He's just a murderous guy. And what we don't see in Romans is Paul... Uh, attacking Nero's character. It's very interesting. Mm. Now, I'm I'm just saying that we find this is very interesting kind of things. When Daniel was leading in his government, um, you know, we don't see him bashing uh, the, the people's character around there. So here's what I'm saying. Character does matter, but as we talk about uh, any of the characters that are running our state or county, I think we need to be respectful as we talk, speak about them, not uh, not get into a, a place where we just enjoy bashing someone's character or something like that, and be that person. Thanks, Chris. Show respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I think on on top of that, um, when we come to when it comes to voting, a character is one piece of the puzzle. Right. And we, we earlier we talked about uh, different policies, different stand, biblical stances. Yeah, but those biblical, I mean, a, a, a politician cannot be reduced to just the things they support. They, they, the, the whole person goes into it. Their leadership ability matters. Their competence matters. Their ethics and morality matters. So when, when we vote, we, we, we need to look at the whole picture. The person and the things they believe, the things they, they stand for. Um, we don't disqualify a politician just because of their character, because that way we probably wouldn't have too many people we can vote for, <laughs> given the world we live in. Um, but it's all, it's, all, it's all blended together. And, and how you blend them together, how you prioritize between competence, morality, and their policy stands, that's, that's, that's wisdom. That's something you work out with God. Because it's, I, don't think it's, I don't think anybody can tell you, oh, this is the precise way to prioritize them. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, I think we would, I, I think that, that for all of us, we would say character matters. Character definitely matters. And, and we see, um, for any leader, we see the impact of their character on their followers and the way that they end up living their lives. So, and I think we could all point towards different situations that way. But that also, 
the, the difficulty with, the, with this is that all of a sudden then you look at particular people who have great character, but they are not good leaders. And so, so that's where it's difficult to be able to, there's not a black and white and a subject like this as far as an answer that we can give. But I think that we would all agree on the fact that, yeah, character does matter to some level. There's no way you can just discount it and write it off. Yeah, it's good. Even the Bible seems a little bit uh, like a gray area as far as how to engage leaders in, in, like, in regards to character. Like John the Baptist, we were talking about him uh, last week being in prison. Well, he ends up in prison and then murdered because he calls out Herod for basically like having an affair, right? So right. he's calling out a character issue. But So even, even the people in the Bible kind of engage with this differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone wrote in the following question, you guys, and I'll paraphrase just a bit. Um, as you talked about Sunday, Blackhawk tries to be nonpartisan, but it seems like there are times where a line has been crossed and a politician or political party has clearly crossed that line. So how do we know where that line is today? Uh, perhaps to summarize, would there ever be a time where you think Blackhawk would need to speak up and make a partisan stand if the circumstances warranted that? And if so, what would that look like? Yeah, I feel like, um, like I was just speaking about Romans 13 uh, a minute ago. I know when I've spoken on Romans 13 before, we try to help people see that, uh, I can speak theoretically about this, but like practically, it's a different, different matter. So in theory, if you put God at the very top, then you put all rulers below that, and then you like put the governed below the rulers. So if the government um, commands a believer, the governed, to do something that God forbids. If God's at the top, you really want to obey the top first. So the simple statement uh, is uh, like this. If the state commands what God forbids, or if the state forbids what God commands, then civil disobedience is a Christian duty. We, we um, in Acts 5.29, uh, Peter and the other apostles replied to the situation, we must obey God rather than human beings. So in theory, <laughs> uh, we should always obey God rather than, and even if a governing leader commands us to do something that God forbids, we should obey the governing leader. Now that doesn't exactly get to this, the question that you're asking. Um, would our nonpartisan stance right now seems best to the board, the elder board. And uh, if we moved into a situation where we felt like nonpartisan wouldn't be the right thing, then the board would have a conversation about that. But I think we would need, it would have to be clear. Now here's where history is like, gosh, wow. <laughs> it, it looks really clear to us now that during you know Lincoln's, when Lincoln ran for president, oh, we would have voted for the Lincoln and... And encouraged people to do so. Yeah, encouraged people to do so. Uh, Dane County went from McClellan, actually. Uh, but um, you would like to think... And from, the, from looking back, things become clear. Uh, that's the problem with... Um, would we ever be nonpartisan? That's the problem with that. In theory, we would be nonpartisan. What's the practical way in which that would actually work itself out is more difficult. 
I don't know. Somebody else correct yeah, me it's, here. It's a tough one. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, we, you know, before we were started taping, we were having this long conversation about on this very topic because it is very tough. It is hard mm -hmm. to know. Um, I do feel like you know the, the, the elder statement is is a really great statement for our situation, for our times. And the question that was really being asked is, what if the times change? Yes. What if we get to a place of increasing radicalism in our governments, increasing unrest? Um, at what point do we say, you know what? We, we got to endorse. Um, I don't think we're there. Um, and, and I think the elders will have to make that decision when we get there. Yeah, you'd like to think, you always think the best about yourself. So when you watch... Uh, documentaries about the civil rights movement and stuff, you'd like to think, yeah, we would have been those people mm -hmm. with Martin Luther King walking on the bridge and right. all that kind of thing. And man, uh, it, it's like, well, would we have, would we have been? That's, that's the yeah. question. Well, and that's different because marching with them is one thing. Would we have, based on our current document, would we have endorsed to tell people, hey, vote for the ones who's going to support the Civil Rights Act? Right. Would we, have, would we have done that? Yeah, vote for Johnson. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, you'd like to think that yeah. certain situations become clearer as history goes by, well, but it's, it's really messy. It's also mixed because vote for Johnson meant voting for Vietnam. That's and right. So it's mm. like mm. civil rights on one hand, Vietnam on the other hand, how do you vote for that, right? So it's just complicated. I know, it really is yeah. tough. One of the things that came out on election night, and Chris, you referred to this in your message, was that 81% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in 2016, whereas less than 10% of black evangelicals voted for him. So we have a pretty significant rift in the evangelical church. What do you make of that? And how can we seek to be a diverse community of Christ followers that loves and listens to each other in the midst of all of this? Yeah, I really feel like um, what's happened in our country in terms of uh, race has been so tragic. It's a really, it's a blight on the evangelical church historically. Um, the Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby is a, is a book that I would recommend. I hope he's supposed to come to Madison uh, pretty soon. I think the 11th of November 11th, yeah. at Upper House. Those, are, those kind of reads are disturbing reads. They're eye-opening and they're disturbing. Um, so it just gets to the point of like, how can we um, recognize that, as I'm just speaking, we would be like the white majority uh, folks. And especially myself, I'm an older person in the white majority and I'm, and I'm a person of power. How can I listen to uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not white, who are not in a position of power and don't enjoy the privileges that I... How can I just listen to their story without being judgmental or anything? Just listen to what their experience has been like. And then hopefully, as you know, as I've learned with African-American friends, it, it, it's not... You're, you're just going to sit down and have somebody tell you their story. That's, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. 
So you have to earn the right to listen and be heard and listen to their story. Mm-hmm. It's, and then that's the kind of, those are the kind of steps that will move us towards becoming the kind of kingdom place we want to be. Those people who don't um, have uh, black friends in their lives that they can ask, especially during this COVID season when there's not a ton of social interaction in general, um, what do you suggest are their next steps? Yeah, then then that's the kind of thing of like you can read a book mm-hmm. or you can watch some programs and and those that kind of thing and, and engage with that that way. Obviously, you yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's some great podcasts that are out there too on subjects like this. Uh, do we do show notes on we this? We do. Yes. So that we can we can so add some different some, names. We could even yeah, yeah. That, that are that are well worth it. Um, and they'll make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a good thing. One of the things for me, I feel like that I've learned during this season is I read and as I listen to podcasts or watch different shows that have been available. Um, is is I have I have this internal um, arguer that wants to jump out in the midst of those situations and defend or um, help people to understand my side when I'm not even having a conversation <laughs> with anybody. I don't know if anyone else yeah, experiences that, but um, but the thing that I have had to learn to do is to be able to listen without defending, like really just seek to understand without coming up with a defense or a rebuttal. And it's a difficult skill. I am, I'm not good at it, but it's one that through this season, I felt like I have needed, I've needed humility. I've needed to be willing to just be a learner. And when I get to the place, when I've gotten to the place with black friends who I have, um, to, to be able to hear their story, that's a game changer, complete game changer. Because you understand the story of someone, it takes any issue and it humanizes it and brings it to a level um, that, uh, that having a debate, you can never really mm-hmm. get to. Yeah, it's a good practice, Matt. Thanks for sharing that. If I can just continue this a little bit. Uh, we, uh, the three of us are actually gonna be in a meeting tonight with the board. Uh, as we have these things at the elder board level from time to time called discuss and discern. So we choose a topic and so we do no business that night and we usually read a bunch or listen to podcasts and then we discuss and discern a particular topic in a safe environment. We just talk, we're not trying to reach a conclusion or anything like that and all three of us will participate in that uh, tonight. It's really about race and faith and uh, uh, our first African American elder, uh, Rick Badger, is be a part of that. So it'll be interesting. We'll all just be listening and and trying to learn. Charles will be there. It'll be a good opportunity for us. I'm just glad you called it by the full name, discuss and discern, rather than do the abbreviation that we usually do, calling it D and D. Because it wouldn't do well dragons. to say block of elders gather <laughs> right. together to do a D and D on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> But right. I, I, you know, I think this, this is just a great question. And I know that COVID has, has put a lot of our plans on hold. I think what we are hoping to accomplish here at Blackhawk as a, as a multicultural church in, in creating um, a culture-specific spaces, for, you know, for Blackhawk African-American ministry, Blackhawk Chinese ministry, uh, getting Asian-American ministries off the ground, trying to get Hispanic, Latino groups gathered together. The point is, hey, once we have people gathered together, we can then interact, we can learn from each other. And so it's not just, hey, read a book that's out there, but no, we get to know people who are, who are part of our family, 
And creating families that are multicultural, I th- I, multiracial, I think that's, uh, that's the heart of this. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we get to, the, mm-hmm. to, to making this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, it's so sad to see what, because, you know, in the atrium, you have people running into each other, uh, having just spontaneous conversations, all that. We, we're missing that right now. It's so mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. I'll take it a step further because I think for some of us, it's easy to like look at that statistic of the 81% versus the the 10% or so and be like, huh, that's interesting. Um, But for many people of color and even younger generations of Christians, like that's pretty disorienting to see how supportive evangelical Christianity in general has been of a particular political party um, recently, but even over the last 20, 30 plus years or more. Um, as their pastors, what would you guys say as just an encouragement to someone who's just struggling right now because they're seeing the white evangelical church um, become so involved in a certain political party and they're just disoriented by that. They, they want to be a part of a, a church that uh, is diverse and that values them and their voice and all that kind of stuff. So what would you say to someone that's just kind of disoriented right now by everything that's happening? What encouragement would you give to them? Talk to people. I think that's one of the biggest things. Have the conversation and don't be afraid of it. So I, I mean, <laughs> we, we live in such a cancel culture right now where if you disagree with me, we're going to go at it in some way and then I'm just going to ghost you and I'm going to delete all of your accounts and pretend that you don't exist because you're not on the same page that I am. And I feel like all that does is just move us to polar opposites to a, a greater level. And, and, uh, and the more that we're able just to listen to each other, it, it humanizes us. And helps us to be able to understand the other side. Again, not that we're going to agree with it, but at least we can understand the reasoning why and we can have real conversation. I feel like that's the only way that we can get there. And I believe that as Christ followers, that's, that's, what, we're called, that's what we're called to be. I think, I think that's, that's very, very helpful, very true. At the same time, I think there are legitimate critiques that we can offer um, of the evangelical church and our, and our political engagement. I think being overtly partisan has not helped us. I think being f- like, hey, we support one party over the other. That's not what the gospel is calling us to do. That's not what the Bible is calling us to do. Uh, really narrowing our, our political engagement to only a few topics have not helped us. I think we need, the f- we need to see the full politics of Jesus. We need to see what the Bible has to say on... On, on climate change, on, on, on racial reconciliation, on immigration, as well as politics that relates to, to family or sexuality as, or unborn or, or, or religious freedom. We need to look at the whole picture. And I think we haven't been. I think some of, the, some of that results in the numbers you're talking about. Right. Um, so <laughs> there's that to be, we're, 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 I think we're trying to move toward that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Another question that was submitted by email, um, and maybe Matt, you kind of just talked about this and you're going to be talking about unity on Sunday. So maybe you can start us off. What advice do you have for someone who's trying to heal and restore a relationship that's been fractured due to a political disagreement? Or maybe more generally, how can we as Christ followers begin to model what it could look like to break down tribal barriers, to love people who are different from us, and to be united in a way that our country very much isn't right now? What would you have to say? 
Um, that's a great question, and uh, that's not happening anywhere in society at all right now. Nobody's struggling with this at all. So in families, <laughs> and oh my gosh, I uh, you know the thing. What I would tell somebody is, how about you call up the person and go for a walk? And we only got a few more weeks that you can go for a walk before it's too cold, so you better get that in quickly. So, because we are dealing with Wisconsin winter. So, but but I I I look at the subject and I go, man, we we need to be people who who are able to look at what. What does it look like for us to, to, to be a part of the, the kingdom of God and to see that as important and yet to be able to, within the world that we live in, move towards the issues that we believe are important and valuable to Jesus and to have those conversations without writing somebody off completely. So um, one of the passages, you know, it's funny, as you're saying this all, Chris, I'm thinking, do you want me just to preach my sermon right now? Should I just, <laughs> sure, should I just go, go ahead? <laughs> so Ephesians 4 is one of the passages that I'm moving for, which, um, you know, talks about um, that we're to be people who are gentle and humble and patient, bearing with one another in love. And we're to be people who make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. That's a huge calling. And, uh, and I think the only way that we can do that is when we're willing to have the conversation with other people, um, willing to go for the walk, find the places where you do agree on subjects. Remember what it is that you love about one another. Seek to understand the other person's perspective without, um, without stereotyping them, putting in them to a box and writing them off. I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that. <laughs> I'm just saying you everything know. you're saying is so right on, yeah. Matt. I disagree with the Ephesians 4 part. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, another podcast right yeah, there. Yeah, that's another podcast. Uh, hey, uh, another thing, uh, th- this is a perfect storm that's happening right now because of uh, the virus, uh, because we have these ma- masks and everything, and that's turned into another political kind of a thing. It's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, even without, uh, so that, oh, I don't wear a mask, I wear a mask, I'm not going to wear a mask, who believes in science and all that kind of stuff. It's just added to, uh, it's just a perfect storm. I don't feel uh, like right there's now. any subject you can bring up today <laughs> yeah. that is not going to be politicized in some way. Like, I get up in the morning, do I, if I put on a red shirt, is that sending a bad signal? Or if I wear blue jeans, is that like, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, everything ends up being politically, you know. Yep. Uh, Everything's, everything, it's a charged world we yeah. live in. Yeah. So it really is a charged world. And what can we do to just kind of uh, pour a little bit of cold water on that and try to, let's just calm down here. Hey, we're related to each other, you know. <laughs> we have the same father or something. You know, we live in the same neighborhood. Let's go back and remember the times when we used to enjoy being around each other. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is, I don't want to be the super spiritual guy, but there is another mm-hmm. um, dimension, right? There is a spiritual warfare yes. that's mm-hmm. happening. And the enemy would want you to hate, you know, your physical brother or sister you grew up with or something like that. They, he would want that. Any kind of division, he just is jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. So what we can do by the power of the spirit to move against that is uh, really what we should be doing. I'm um, just everything you're saying earlier, uh, Matt, is just I'm like, wow, that's exactly the things we need to do. But in this time, it just sounds 
so hard. Like, it's like no, no voice in our society is calling us to do this. Mm. And so we don't get that voice. We don't get that voice that go, hey, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Shift your mind. Shift your mind. Seek to understand. Seek to listen. It, it's, it's, and this gets back to what we've been doing this whole, whole semester about hanging out with God, letting, letting Jesus, letting the Bible be the voice in our head because we, just, we can't do what you just talked about. Mm. The culture is not, not going to let us. We wake up and, and everything, all, everything we're seeing and listening and reading is telling us to do precisely the opposite. We need, to, we need to turn off some voices and turn on some other voices. Yeah, because the voices that we hear today in so many ways are, if, if, I, if I stop and listen and seek to understand, that comes across like I am giving up on the stances that I feel so deeply about. And I don't believe that's the correct way to move. I think that we need to be able to understand why it is that we feel so deeply about the things that we would be voting for. I, um, but we need to be able to understand the voice of another side. So, well, that reminds me of a kind of pastor 101 uh, thing that if I have time for, I, I think I've said this before uh, many times, the, uh, when you're talking to someone and you, you're just talking about something that you think is like normal, like mask wearing or something like that, and you see the veins on their neck popping out, <laughs> there's a story behind that. They didn't just all of a sudden get really angry because you asked them to wear a mask. There's a story back there. And if you can try to mine that story out, why they feel that way, that will help you understand their side better. And that will help us to listen more. This is Pastor 101. There's a reason that person's veins are sticking out. What's that reason? Try to find out. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love that, Chris, because I think when we start thinking politics, we start thinking arguments. We start thinking policy. We, we start thinking disembodied ideas and positions rather than, oh wait, there's a person holding those ideas. And that person has a story. That person has background, has feelings, has everything else. And that person images God. And, and anything attacking that person, mm. hating that person means a violation of the image of God. Mm. You're attacking God your, him, himself. And so... Always remembering the person is a person is huge. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's counterintuitive because when someone's arguing with us, we're trying to figure out a good comeback. We're probably not actually listening to them very well. And if you're listening to them well, skill. and then you ask a question, man, I, f I see this is really... Can you tell me why this is so important to you? I'm not trying to put you down, but why is this... And then try to get them to talk more. I think that's a, one way to try to go towards the Ephesians 4 passage. Make every effort. I just think of social media right now too, right? Be especially how we use it over the next week or two in the midst of everything happening. Um, it might not reconcile any relationships that are broken right now, but you might prevent some fracturing of relationships with, with people that you love. If we're just careful about what we're posting and how we're doing it, remembering that there is a real person who's created in the image of God on the other side of the computer screen uh, and just like filtering it through a lens of yes. is what I'm about to post kind? Is it helpful? Does it embody the fruit of the spirit? Does it represent Christ well in what I'm posting? Because um, so much of our interactions right now in the midst of this pandemic are online, on social media, and it's just a mess. So if we can just 
take a break if we need to, or just be careful and really intentional about how we're using it. That's going to go a long way too. This is great. You're preaching my sermon now. I'm oh. just going to let you take over for Sunday. That would be ideal. It really is. And um, I don't want to preach Matt's message, but I mean, uh, basically we have an opportunity here. Instead of going, oh, you know, my, this the world is, this is really an opportunity for Christ followers to be different from the world. So, hey, let's seize this opportunity. Because the bar is set so low right now. Oh. And he's got a <laughs> so great illustration low. for that, so, but we're yeah. not going to say it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Listen Sunday. Well, as we wrap up here, what do you hope would be true of our, ch- our church community, Blackhawk Church, in the midst of this election season? As, as their pastors, as our pastors, what encouragement would you want to give to us if we kind of took one thing away from this discussion? Yeah, I would maybe just repeat what I just said. I think seize the moment. This is an opportunity to be different, to not pile on, uh, to not cancel, uh, to reach out, to listen, to be loving, just be a breath of fresh air, a fragrant flower in a desert. Just stand out, be different. Yeah. Yeah, it's so difficult in the midst of COVID season, but I, I would want people who have never come to Blackhawk before to walk through the doors and to be able to say, man, like those folks at Blackhawk, they really love each other. And, and they don't see eye to eye on a lot of subjects. There are people who disagree. I, I know people at that church and I know where they stand on different issues. And I know I'm seeing polar opposites all over the place. But those people, they love each other. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like we just have such an opportunity to reflect who Jesus is in the midst of this season if we, if we grab it. And again, the bar is set so unbelievably low for us right now. It's like at the times where the world is the darkest, we have the opportunity to shine the brightest. Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, thanks so much, you guys. I know this is a difficult topic and these were hard questions that we threw at you. Uh, but thanks for leading us through these with wisdom and humility and gentleness um, and for pointing us toward Christ and, and the gospel. Before we go, again, Ben Knox, one of our pastors here, is going to be leading us through a prayer practice centered on politics that I think will challenge us and help to form us to be more like Christ as we engage with politics. So let's hand it off to Ben. Let's start this time by praying for our local elected officials. In my case, my city alder is Barbara McKinney, and my representative on the county board is Stephen Peters. So I'll be praying for them. If you don't know who represents you on the city or county board, use the name of your mayor, state representative, or even your governor, like Governor Tony Evers here in Wisconsin, or wherever you're listening from. Repeat after me in this prayer, either out loud or in silence. But when I say Barbara and Stephen, substitute the names of your elected officials. Okay, here we go. Repeat after me. Father, thank you for creating Barbara and Stephen in your image. 
thank you for your love for Barbara and Stephen. Grant Barbara and Stephen wisdom in their work. Guide Barbara and Stephen to help our city and county thrive. Bless Barbara and Stephen in their personal lives. Now, let's take a deep breath because I'm about to ask us to do something that will be harder for me and it might be harder for you. We are going to say a similar prayer for Donald Trump and Joe Biden, but we have some work to do with God before we can say that prayer. Here's the work. Picture in your mind the candidate you don't want to win in this election. As you picture this person, repeat after me, either out loud or in silence. This person was created in the image of God, just like me. God loves this person. This person is worthy of dignity in Jesus' name. How'd it go for that? (laughs) In those three statements, did you find yourself adding caveats or disclaimers? Like, oh, God loves him, but... uh, We're going to repeat those three statements about the candidate you want to lose... And this time, resist the urge to add any disclaimers. Here we go. Repeat after me. This person was created in the image of God, just like me. God loves this person. This person is worthy of dignity in Jesus' name. Now we might be ready to pray for Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Again, repeat after me, either out loud or in silence. Father, thank you for creating Donald Trump and Joe Biden in your image. Thank you for your love for Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Grant Donald Trump and Joe Biden wisdom in their work. Guide Joe Biden and Donald Trump to help the USA and our global community thrive. Bless Donald Trump and Joe Biden in their personal lives. Now, in your own words, pray for someone that you've recently disagreed with on politics or a relationship that's currently strained by politics.
If you wear glasses like me and you're able to remove them, if you're not driving a car or something, go ahead and take off your glasses. I've, I've done this here. We desire to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And in that spirit, pray for healing in that relationship of yours that's currently strained. Next, what's one thing you would affirm about a political party you're not voting for? Think of that thing you would affirm about a party you're not voting for. And with our eyes still fixed on what is unseen, pray for God to make a way for that good policy goal, even as you choose not to support that party for other reasons. It is God who makes a way in spite of our partisan coalitions. So pray for him to make a way where that way is unseen through our eyes. As we continue to think on what is unseen, picture a future in your mind's eye where the fullness of God's kingdom will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Oh, oh monarchists, picture this unseen coming world where Jesus' kingship is over all. Grace abounds. Joy is full. Justice reigns. Hallelujah. Hunger is gone. Violence is gone. Anxiety is gone. Loneliness is gone. Tears are wiped away. Picture this future. Praise God for this promised political future which only he can bring about. Hallelujah, Lord, thank you for making us your partners. Lord, hasten this day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let me close with the refrain of prayer. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. We'll see you next Wednesday, probably a little later in the day than usual, because we'll be back with Matt to react in the moment to the election results that morning. So until then, have a great week and God bless.